Welcome to Making Love with your host, Colette Milan. All of us want to be loved. In this show, we'll explore how lovemaking really does make more love in your relationship and how essential real love is to good sex. Tune in for advice on how to become a better lover and how to love sex more. Here is Colette Milan. Hello. Welcome to Making Love Radio. I'm Colette Milan, and I'll be your host. A little bit about me. I'm a psychotherapist, a marriage counselor, and a certified sex therapist. But the most important credential I have is that I've been married for 38 years, and I've experienced firsthand the many challenges that bombard and wear down intimate connection. I've learned how to work through those challenges, how to really unconditionally love, and how to make more love in my relationship through the skills of delicious lovemaking. In this show, I'll explore with you how you can have true love and great sex. In these shows, you will learn how to really love, how to be a better lover, and how to enjoy sex more. You'll see that lovemaking really does make more love in your relationship, and you'll see how essential real love is to good sex. In today's show, we are going to talk about real love and how essential it is for relationships. My guest today is Dr. Greg Bear. Dr. Bear is the author of the book, Real Love, and then he came out with another book called Real Love in Marriage. He teaches that real love is the essential ingredient necessary to make relationships work and to have lasting peace and happiness in life. His message is, with real love, nothing else matters. Without it, nothing is enough. Dr. Bear has written and produced more than 20 books, CDs, and DVDs on the subjects of unconditional love, relationships, dating, marriage, parenting, conflict resolution, and rehabilitation, which have been translated into many languages and sold to millions worldwide. He is considered an international expert on these subjects. He counsels individuals, couples, families, and corporations from all over the world. He's the founder of the Real Love Company, a nonprofit organization dedicated to promoting healthy relationships and conflict resolution. He has written, starred in, and produced a PBS special entitled Real Love Answers that has been broadcast nationwide. He has appeared on more than 1,500 radio and television programs. I'm thrilled to have Dr. Bear on our show to share his great wisdom about real love. Welcome, Dr. Bear. It's very nice to be with you, Colette. I'm just so excited to have you here. And you have an amazing portfolio as far as all the information that all your books and and all the things that you've done but I have to tell you uh, I think the most important contribution is your message when I read your book Real Love it changed my life and then when I found your your other book called Real Love in Marriage I knew that I had found 
some of the most important answer that answers that I had been seeking for for a long time as just a person, but also as a marriage counselor and a sex therapist. And I'll talk to you, more to you about this as we get further into our show and we're talking more about love and sex. But there is so much wisdom that you have to give our audience that I want to jump right in and give you as much time as possible. So I want to I want to say, first of all, that I was profoundly impacted by your personal story. I can really relate to it. And I think a lot of people listening to it can relate to it. Would you share your personal story with our audience? I'd be happy to. I was one of those kids who was taught from a very early age that if you did all the right things, then you'd be happy. So I did all the right things. Uh, I got did all the right things in church and school and got all A's, and I was the best in my class and the valedictorian and the top of my medical school class, and at one point had the busiest eye surgery practice in the United States. I, had, I did all of the things that people say, if you do these, you'll be happy. And I had done them all, and I was miserable. Well, once you've done 100% effort, there's nothing left. And then it's just discouraging. And I I didn't know how to deal with the pain. And so I started using uh, sedatives to sleep. I started using narcotics uh, to go to bed at night. Uh, Before long, I was a drug addict for, oh, at least a dozen years. Um, Finally ended up with a loaded gun to my head and my backyard. I just didn't want to live anymore. The pain was that bad. So I started, I got off drugs, which just meant that now I was sober and miserable, as most recovering addicts discover. I started looking for what really makes people happy, and I went everywhere. Therapy, group therapy, Native American rituals, men's groups, name a thing. And all I was looking for was happy people, genuinely peaceful, powerfully happy people. I couldn't find any. And I mean, I couldn't find any anywhere, looking all over the country. So I gathered a group of friends together, and we met for, oh, about a year, and we tried everything we'd read of or heard about, and we eliminated everything that didn't result in profound peace and joy. When we got finished, we'd thrown everything out. So finally, for the first time in my life, and yes, I'm incredibly slow to learn, (laughs) <laughs> I, I finally just sat down on a couch, a floor below me, and looked, call, call it heavenward if you want it, which is a little silly if you consider that the earth really doesn't have an up and down. But mm-hmm. I looked up and went, okay, I, I give up. Teach me. And I was talking to call it whatever you want, uh, God, a divine power, uh, the universe, it depends on what people's theological orientation was. For me, it was talking to God. And for the first time in my life, I had been humbled to the ground, below the dirt. I was willing to listen, and it just flowed like a waterfall. I had to carry paper with me everywhere I went. Twenty books later, and we figured now something like, 20,000 pages of writing later, um, I, I, that's still how I write. I just listen. And I learned that it's just 
all about feeling unconditionally loved. And we'll talk more about that as we follow the direction you want to go. Yeah. Oh, Greg, I am just so grateful that you told that story. And I have to tell you, one of my biggest concerns during this show is that I don't, I want to make sure I don't cry because I have been so touched by your message that it, um, to me, this is just the most important show that I've done. Um, you're, I can tell, I can tell that you're inspired by a higher power and I can I know what you mean when you say it's just flowing out of you I feel like you have been doing this kind of divine downloading because your information is what I've been looking for for a long time to help some of my couples that are just really struggling with their tug of wars in their sexuality and trying to explain to people yes sex is important but love (laughs) love is the most important thing if you want to inspire your partner to want to make love to you you have to truly love your partner and so your book gave me the words that I needed to be able to help my clients see this thing that I was trying to say so I just thank God for you so anyway, I want to move on, and I, um, I want to take something that you said. You said, real love is, essential, is the essential ingredient for happiness and success in every marriage. And the, your book is called Real Love, and so I want you to tell us, what is real love? Real love is synonymous with unconditional love and and I only call it real to distinguish it from all the counterfeits. Real love yeah. means real love means I care about your happiness, Colette, and, and this isn't now I'm not simulating a situation. I care about you. You and I've never met and yet you matter to me. I love you. I care that you're happy. And it's real love because I don't need you to do anything to earn that, ever. So Mm. in real love, you never expect something in return. In real love, there is never anger, disappointment, frustration, impatience, none of all those things that infect almost every marriage I've ever seen. When I see couples... They come here after they've been everywhere. And I think I counted the average at one point, and people had seen at least 12 therapists by the time they came here. And I see people who are in the throes of what I call relationship death. And I just teach each of them first how to feel loved. Then I teach them how to love each other. And I've seen marriages where, well, frankly, the divorce papers are in there. They're signed. They haven't taken them into the courthouse. And once they learn what that feels like, they just bawl because they've never had it. The single problem in marriages today in one sentence is that two people go into a marriage hoping that they'll get loved by the other one, and neither of them has ever gotten it. So we've got essentially two ticks trying to suck blood out of the other one. Yes. Yes, you know what? I just love this. Um, 
So one of the the things that really touched me, and it's really along the same line of what you just said, is you said that we've all learned from a growing up, even when we had really great parents, which most of us, you know, a lot of people haven't had great parents, but even if you did have really great parents, all of us got the message loud and clear that people love us when we do what they want. And when we don't do what they want, they love us less. So, um, and I think that's along the lines of what you're talking about, but um, tell us more about that. So, for a child, being loved unconditionally is like breathing air. It's that big a deal. Being loved isn't a bonus in life. For a child and for adults, being loved is life. So, I've talked to people who've been raised in these, these model families, you know, the mom and dad are just pillar of the community, they're leaders, they, they go to church, they, and so they say, I was raised in a loving family. And then I ask them, how do you know you were raised in a loving family? And after a few questions, the answer is the same every single time. They believe they were raised in a loving family because their parents told them that they were raised in a loving family. When you're one year, when you're two years old, and pick one, your dad barks at you and snaps at you. Even as an adult, I do it in seminars occasionally, but I don't like to do it because I don't even like the feeling. I will just pick somebody on the front row, and I'll turn to them, and I'll just say some harsh, critical, made-up thing and be angry at them, and the entire room freezes because we're terrified by disapproval because what it says is any tone of impatience says to a child or an adult, I don't love you, and number two, you're defective. Now, did our parents mean to do that? No, they didn't. But we learned from a very early age that they smiled when we got an A, cleaned our room, and didn't fight with our sister. Every kid caught on to that. The instant we fought with our sister, made noise in the back seat, um, got C's or D's, um, caused trouble of any kind, we got a scowl. Uh, Sometimes we got yelled at. Most of us didn't get hit. But it's the equivalent to a child being hit in the face with a shovel just to hear this sound. (sighs) (laughs) That sound sound ever. Try that sometime. Go go home and find a four-year-old and look at him and just go, (sighs) I've seen children just burst into tears. And that's what I mean by the damage of not feeling unconditionally loved. So I see couples after they've been married for, oh, goodness, 50 years, I see couples who are about to get married. They're all happy and in love in the beginning. We all are. And I ask them about their parents, and they start to disclose these moments of just profound impatience and not feeling loved. And it becomes really obvious that these two are going to have a hard time. They get married, and within two years, then I get a phone call. Yes, I, I just think you're really on to something. And, um, you know, without this, without the real love, you know, that we're just approved of for who we really are, um, we can feel empty and alone, which is our greatest fear. And you talk about that in the book, and you talk about how we do these 
things to try to get love, and it's imitation love. And we're going to talk about that later on. Um, But I do want to just mention um, that you had said in your book that it's the long-standing lack of real love in your life that determines how you feel, not the behavior of your spouse in the moment that you're struggling with your spouse. Yes. And um, I'm... I, I want, we just have like a few minutes, but maybe you could just address that a little bit before we take our break. Sure. Pain is cumulative. All pain. Physical pain, emotional pain, it's all cumulative. And so if a child hears sighs of disappointment or just even impatience from a parent, they feel terrible about themselves. I have a couple downstairs in, in my office where I work, it's a home office. Today I have a couple downstairs. They haven't had sex in years. And yesterday, all I did was sit with each of them separately and told them, I love you. Holding their hands, looking to their eyes, I love you. And I kept saying it until each person got it. They bawled their eyes out. And last night, after 10 years, they had great sex. Why? I didn't say a word about sex because they felt loved by me. All they mm. needed, it's not about me, I'm nothing. I'm just a hick redneck from Georgia. <laughs> it's, it's the unconditional love we're missing. I kept at it until they both felt unconditionally loved, and when they both felt loved, they looked at each other, bald, went downstairs and had sex, and I didn't see them again for till the next morning. <laughs> Wow. That's what they were missing. <clears throat> That's right. You're exactly right on. That's what we're missing. That we, we crave, we think we want sex, but, and, and that's a great. Uh, enhancement of love but I think what we're all really craving is true love so we need to take a break now but stay tuned we're going to come back and we're going to hear more from Dr. Greg Bear author of Real Love in Marriage Dr. Bear will tell us more about real love and why so many people never experience it Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. What makes a great leader? Most have a vision, one that starts beyond the resources available and continues from that point into developing a solid plan, organization, and company. Leadership issues are discussed each week on VoltCast, illuminating leadership with host Jeff Smith. Jeff has years of experience as a leader and executive coach, and his guests will bring you information that can help a team of any size. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. 
Live Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on voiceamerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Listening to Making Love with Colette Milan. We'd love to hear from you today with your questions and comments. Please call into the program at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to makingloveradio at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Making Love Radio. I'm your host, Colette Milan. I'm here today with Dr. Greg Baer, author of Real Love in Marriage. We're talking about what real love is and why so many of us have never experienced it. Um, Greg, in your book, you said um, that without sufficient real love in our lives, the pain of feeling alone and empty are intolerable and will do just about anything to feel better. We attempt to fill our emptiness with imitation love. Tell us about imitation love compared to real love. I'm going to say it again because it's so important. Real love is air to a child and to an adult. Well, if I reached out and choked you with my hand, I promise you'd start doing everything you could do to get air back in your lungs. And that's what we do when we don't have enough real love. We're in so much pain. We reach out for anything that will temporarily decrease our pain. So, for example, in my case, I used um, narcotics because it temporarily decreased my pain. Some people use porn. Some people use sex. Some people use anger. Some people use being right. The list goes on and on and on. It's a trick question that I sometimes do at seminars, and I say, raise your hand if you're an addict. And eh, usually an audience is kind of careful about that. And so 2 or 3% of the audience raises their hand, even though just alcohol and drugs alone is 20%. And, and then I say, and the rest of you are pathologic liars. <laughs> because everybody is addicted to something. Being right, being in control, um, being um, afraid, acting like a victim. Uh, it, the, the list of things we're addicted to go on and on. And then, of course, we bring those addictive behaviors into our marriage, which makes things even harder. And so then we work on whatever, porn, alcohol, drugs. We work on the addiction, but we don't ever get to the root cause. And so we struggle as addicts all of our lives, failing to understand that we could just get rid of the cause. I'm not an addict anymore. I'm a happy human being. Why would I use drugs or anything else? I don't need to. And um, in your book, you talk about um, how we 
we do, you called it getting behaviors, where we are attempting to get love. And then you also talked about protecting behaviors that we use. And those are uh, behaviors that we use to reduce our fear uh, about not having love. Yeah. Can you tell us briefly about that? When we don't have enough real love, we do, we are consumed with two feelings. Again, it's like not having air. We do whatever it takes to get, uh, whatever it takes to fill ourselves with imitation love, and we do whatever it takes to protect ourselves from being hurt. So mm, examples of getting and protecting behaviors would be lying, for example. There was a study done at Boston University that shows that the average person lies to a stranger while they're being filmed about just random subjects so they're not being stressed three to five times per minute that they're speaking. We lie constantly so that people won't disapprove of us, so that they will like us. Um, If you want to see a wonderful example of lying, go on a dating website. Um, dating, (laughs) Dating is institutionalized lying. (laughs) <laughs> everybody is lying and putting their best foot forward. Well, the problem with that is if you put your best foot forward and then you marry somebody who's put their best foot forward, eventually you're going to discover that they have another foot and it stinks. This is true in every marriage. That's how every marriage begins, by each person lying to the other. We get together, the imitation love, the sex, the flattery, the praise, the all that stuff wears off, and then we look at our partner, and then we start blaming them, and then they start blaming us, and then we start trading, then we start counting the favors that we do for each other, and then when it's time for sex, we have all of that racing in our minds, well, who wants to have sex under those conditions? It's almost a battle zone. Who can have sex then? Yes, you're right. You're totally right. There was a part in your book that really touched me. It was really profound. Um, You said that before you can really give love, you need to have experienced real love. You need to have someone in your life that knows you just how you are and loves you just how you are. And you stress the importance of telling the truth about yourself. And... uh, what you said about that was that it's important for your sense of being loved because if you lie about yourself and people love you, then you really don't know if they love you because of what you said about yourself or if they really love you. And it takes a lot of courage for us to just expose who we really are. But if we're who we really are and people love us, then we experience that real love. Uh, I love that, um, that you talked about. Is there anything you want to say more about that? There's really nothing that facilitates love in a marriage more than being completely open and vulnerable. Now, vulnerable is a terrifying word to most people (laughs) because vulnerable is interpreted usually as being vulnerable to pain or injury. Well, that's true. But it also makes us vulnerable or open to love. So I was just telling you about a a couple that's downstairs now, today, and 
yesterday, I didn't just hold their hands and tell them I love them. I said, tell me the most shameful, horrible things that have ever happened to you or that you've ever done in your life. And it turns out, oh, he's been a porn addict for years and years and years and years, and his wife didn't know it. Turns out he'd had an affair, and his wife didn't know it. Turned out she'd been sexually abused, and her husband didn't know it. Turns out she was a shoplifter, and her husband didn't know it. So there was way more than that. But they, they both kept just pouring on the most shameful things. This was done separately. And I just kept holding their hand and saying, and I don't care. You did all of those things because you were in pain. I still love you, who you really are. It was so transformative to both of them. They both felt so unconditionally loved that they couldn't wait to get back together so that they could express their affection for each other, which in this case came out in the form of sex, which they hadn't had in 10 years. I love it. So, Greg, you've written so much (laughs) that there's a story that you wrote in both your first book, Real Love, and also in your second book, Real Love in Marriage. And I want to share that, if you don't mind. I know it's your story, but I want to read it because it touched me so much, and I want the audience to hear it. So I'm going to read it. It says, imagine that you're having a difficult day. Several people have confronted you about mistakes you've made or assignments you've not completed, and you're feeling both inadequate and irritated. The computer isn't working again, and your car is in the shop for the third time in the past two months. You want to pound your fists on the wall and scream. In the midst of your frustration, a man and a woman walk into the room and address you by name. Even though you've never seen them before, you feel as though they've known you all your life. Somehow you sense from their peaceful and inviting expressions that you can trust them completely. They ask you to go with them, and without hesitation, you get up and follow them. Side by side, you walk with this couple for some time, finally turning into the driveway of a beautiful home. Walking through the front entryway, you enter a spacious, well-lighted room where many people are talking to one another. After seeing you, several of them come over to greet you. Although you've never met them before, you feel no anxiety because you see in their faces and gestures nothing but a sincere and unreserved welcome. In a way you can't describe, you sense that everyone in this room feels loved and happy, and you know that no matter what mistakes you've ever made or what flaws you have, these people accept you completely. As you sit and talk with them, you realize you don't need to do anything to impress them, nor do you have to need to hide anything from them. Utterly relaxed, you begin to tell them the story of your life. You talk about your mistakes, your foolishness, your weaknesses, your fears, and your successes. They understand everything you're saying, and they accept you and care about you. You know there is nothing you could do that would disappoint or irritate them nor would it be possible to feel embarrassed or ashamed around them. For hours you talk and laugh with these new friends. Allow yourself to enjoy this feeling. Let it sink in and fill your entire being. 
allow yourself to float in a calm, sweet ocean of the peace you feel. You'd like to stay in this place forever, but the day draws to a close and eventually you must go home. As you leave, your friends invite you to return anytime you wish, and you know they mean what they say. When I read that story, Greg, I, I was able to go into this paradise that I rarely can go into, just this peace of not having the stress of the world and all the fears and pressures that I feel, but just being loved for who I am, again, without competition or having to be good enough. I love that story. Um, tell me anything you want to tell me after hearing that story that you wrote. I would bet anything, Paulette, that the, ex- the successful experiences you have with your clients are when you provide that experience for them, whether you realize it or not, whether you intend to or not, whether you tell that story or not. When they feel loved enough by you, that's when their lives begin to change. The couple that I talked about who uh, had sex last night for the first time in 10 years, all I did was love them. I am nothing special. I don't offer a special kind of love. I teach other people all over the world how to do this. And as I loved them, their pain vanished. All of the finger pointing, all the blaming, all of the shame, all of the everything just went away. And what was left was complete peace. And they looked at each other and said, why have we been fighting for the last 10 years? They couldn't remember why. And that's what happens when we finally feel this sense of unconditional love that we've been looking for all these years. Yes. There's also, and I just want this to be brief because there's so many other things that I want to talk with you about today. But in your book, you also told a story about, um, you were saying it like it was you, like you were... You were standing near this, or sitting near a, I think, a swimming pool, and you were just happy to be in the warm sunshine and enjoying it. And then all of a sudden, somebody started splashing on you, and they didn't stop. They kept splashing, and you started to get irritated. And um, tell us the rest of that story and how it applies to um, what sometimes what we experience with our partners when they are struggling to really be, you know, learn about real love and experience real love. I've pretty much never worked with a couple ever uh, who haven't begun the description. I, I always say to each of them separately, I work with them separately in the beginning, and I say, so, so tell me what you would like to be different in your relationship. And the next word that you hear is mm, pretty much 98% of the time, he, she, they, her, him. In other words, they blame their partner. So we tend to blame each other for the bad feelings that we get when we're around another person. And that seems to make sense, but it turns out we can always, let me say it again, always choose how we feel. And the story is that, you know, here, Colette, you and I are in the Bahamas and we're having a nice lunch together and, and the music is perfect. And But then... Somebody in the pool starts splashing us, first on our shoes and then higher up on our pants. And let's make it about you. You can't see who it is because there's a deck chair between you and the person in the pool. And at first, you are, you're gracious. You ignore it. But eventually, 
you begin to get wet and irritated, and finally you get up from your chair to say something to this fool who is being so thoughtless and splashing you, and as you stand up and look over the chair that's in your way, you see that the man splashing in the pool is actually drowning. And he's only splashing you because he's thrashing and kicking in the water to keep his own head from going under. Well, how do you feel now? Are you still angry? Well, of course not. Who in their right mind would be angry at somebody who's drowning? In fact, the as soon as you see why he's splashing, not only do you lose your irritation, but you try to help him out of the water. How long did that take? An instant. And after seeing the truth of the situation, how much effort did you exert to control your anger? None. It takes no effort to get rid of anger at somebody who's drowning. And did the drowning person have to apologize or persuade you to help him? No. So we can change our feelings instantly by changing our perspective. So I'm going to go back to, I hadn't planned this, but to the couple who's here now. Um, They both blamed each other forever. Once they both saw that the other person, that that the man saw that his wife and she saw that her husband had been thrashing and drowning all their lives and that every behavior that they had called unacceptable or unloving was simply a reaction to drowning, they both just wept as they asked forgiveness of their partner for all the hateful things that they had done in response to the splashing. And the conflict was gone. Now, will we have to go through this again? Of course, because we forget. But we can change our feelings that fast by simply seeing things from a different perspective. Everybody around us is literally drowning emotionally. Such a good comparison. That is an amazing comparison. Well, I want to take a break right now because this next part coming up, I think, is just the most powerful. Because, as you know, I work with marriage and sexuality, especially differences in couples in their sexual desire and the frustration and the blaming that happens with that. So, I just am so excited about this next segment with you. So let's take a break now. But again, don't go away because we're going to be right back with Greg Bear. We're going to talk about real love and how real love is essential to great sex. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips is an insider's glimpse at a life from a psychological perspective. It's a look at what matters to us. Why do we laugh? How do we cope with stress? Are men and women really that different? What is it about our relationships? How are they formed? How they work out? And why they sometimes don't? Every week is something new to engage you. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll turn up your perspective on life. 
Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts. We'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you a pet parent? If so, you'll want to stay up to date on the latest tech gadgets and advances for your canine or feline friend. With a ton of apps, websites, tech toys, and more, you'll want to be in the know when it comes to the real treasures and the duds. For that information, listen for Pet Lover Geek with host Lorian Clemens. We test and discuss what's hot and what's not on the pet front so you'll be better informed. Tune in Saturdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Listening to Making Love with Colette Milan. We'd love to hear from you today with your questions and comments. Please call into the program at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to makingloveradio at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Making Love Radio. I'm your host, Colette Milan. I'm here today with Dr. Greg Bear, author of Real Love in Marriage. In this segment, we are going to talk about sex in marriage or just in a relationship. And we are going to talk about these principles that Greg is teaching us about real love. So, I want to give a quote that you said, Greg. You said, it's not real love until we give it, even when we get nothing in return. And I have another little little story that I want to read that you had written in your book. So this is it. Uh, you said, with considerable irritation, Carl said, she's not even my wife anymore. We never have sex anymore. She's always too tired or too busy. And then, Greg, you said, and when you talk to her about it, are you as irritated with her as you are right now? There was a long pause. Well, sometimes, sure, who wouldn't be? Do you like to be around people who are disappointed in you or mad at you? Well, no, not really. Neither does Sydney. If she doesn't feel unconditionally accepted by you, she doesn't even want to be around you, much less share herself intimately with you. When you're mad about her not wanting to have sex with you, it's obvious to her that you're not accepting her unconditionally. You're primarily concerned about what you want. When we don't feel unconditionally loved, we are so distracted by the pain of emptiness and fear that we can't really enjoy any of life experiences. The negative effect of our insufficient supply of real love on sex, where we intimately share ourselves with our partners, is especially noticeable. 
in the presence of real love, however, our enjoyment of every experience, especially sex, is multiplied. Tell us more about that, Greg. It's a really common belief to the point that, you know, pretty much most marriage talk shows on television talk about it and everybody laughs because they think they understand it, that men want sex and women want intimacy. Couldn't be more wrong. Men really want intimacy. If all men wanted was a sexual release, it turns out that several thousand years ago, men figured out how to do that without women. So (laughs) it's not about that. They want intimacy. But see, something happened really early in men's lives. Little girls are allowed to have feelings. Little boys are not. And it's been studied that from age four on, we quit touching little boys. So little boys are not touched. They're not looked at. They're not talked to about their feelings. They're not allowed to cry. So they're not allowed to be vulnerable, and they don't have intimacy. I was 40 years old before I was one day in the operating room, and I was listening to two nurses talking. Fortunately, the patient was asleep. I put my instruments down, and I said, what did you just say? And they repeated what they'd said, and they were talking about a conversation they'd had in the restroom. And I said, you all talk in restrooms. <laughs> and the ladies looked at me like I was crazy, and I said, do you realize that no two men have ever spoken to each other in a restroom in the history of mankind? We don't do that. So I started, now I realize this is a bizarre thing to watch, but I started watching younger boys go in and out of public restrooms, like at, you know, movie theaters and so on. Kids as young as four have already learned that as soon as you cross the threshold into a restroom, that's possible intimacy. That's just too exposed. And we never talk. Two men never meet eyes. Nothing. If you're stuck in a stall without toilet paper, well, then you just get to die. So we, we don't know what intimacy is. But then a young boy who's, oh, whatever, anywhere from 11 to 22, has sex for the first time and goes, are you kidding me? This is the greatest thing there, there ever was. He thinks, this poor kid who's never had intimacy in his life, thinks that sex is intimacy. So what do you think he's going to want more of? He demands more sex. And his wife's going, well, but you're not intimate with me emotionally. Why don't you talk to me more? Ladies, all ladies who are listening, he doesn't even know what you're talking about. So when you say, how come you don't talk to me more? He's going, well, we talk about the groceries and we talk about the kids and we talk about, you know, where to get the car washed. He doesn't know what intimacy even is. And this is why couples have trouble with it. One man called me one day and said, uh, in this tone of voice, my wife won't have sex with me. And I said, well, man, I just can't understand why, because the way you're talking to me now is a real turn on. (laughs) (laughs) So all I did was I taught him, without her, I taught him what it was like to feel unconditionally loved by me, by a man, had nothing to do with sex. As he learned how to be unconditionally loving in turn to his wife, they started having sex all the time, enjoyable sex, whereas they hadn't had sex in a very long time. Sex is simply an expression of emotional 
intimacy. That's all it is. And if neither person has been sufficiently unconditionally loved and doesn't know intimacy, mm, good sex just ain't going to happen, kids. Yep, you're exactly right. So I want to just share with you a little bit about the typical clients that I see. Yep. Um, and, and this is why I was so excited when I found your book and I had to have you on my show. So, as you know, I'm a marriage therapist and a sex therapist, and my specialty is helping couples with mismatched libidos. Um, usually, the man has a strong sex drive, and his female partner has very little sex drive, and this really sets up the man and the woman to be at odds with each other. For the man, having his wife desire him sexually is what makes him feel loved. And when his wife has low sexual desire and doesn't desire him sexually, he feels unloved. He feels disappointed and angry at his wife because he isn't getting what he feels he needs from her. He resents her because he feels she is withholding from him on purpose. When this happens, the low-drive woman usually feels guilty and inadequate. But more than that, she feels unloved and feels even less desire to be intimate with her male partner. She feels sex is more important to her partner than love, that sex is more important to him than her. As a marriage and sex therapist, I've witnessed many men sabotage the very thing they want, which is their wife's love and desire by demanding, being disappointed and angry when they don't get the sex they want. To tell you the truth, Greg, the reason I have you on my show is that I am trying to figure out how to help men understand this dynamic that they come to me trying to help me, I mean, they're coming to me trying to get help for their wife to help her have more sexual desires so they can feel loved. But usually the main obstacle to that is the way they treat their wives. You know, the way they get so disappointed and angry when their wives don't come through with what makes them feel loved. That's why I have you on the show, (laughs) is to talk about the importance of real love. I, I, with my couples, I teach women to love men in the way that a man feels loved through her sexuality, which isn't usually instinctive for women um, because we women have been programmed that not, not to be too sexual. We don't want to be, we want to be good girls. And so when we get married, I think a lot of us women are surprised to find out how important and essential sex is to a man and how important it is to making him feel loved. Um, but, uh, so I teach a woman to, to love a man through her sexuality and also just to truly love him. But for men, it seems like the focus, the thing that they really need to focus on is really loving, really loving the woman. That's what inspires a woman to want to make love to a man. Could you talk to us more and specifically talk to our male audience about that? I see the same problem that you do very commonly. And and in about 15% of cases, it's actually the woman who has a greater libido. But overall, let's just stick with the generalization that it's the guy. 
Um, he wants to have sex more than she does, and it's a source of absolutely bloody, endless conflict. So I turn to the guy who's irritated that his wife doesn't want to have sex with him, and I say, would you like to go with me to a football game tomorrow? And he says, well, I'm not really sure. And I say, well, so now what if I pull a gun out and point it at your head and say, do you want to go now? <laughs> Nobody likes to be forced to do anything. The, the greatest single principle, I'm not kidding, in the universe that governs whether you're going to have love in your relationship and whether you're happy, it's choice. If you take choice away from people and they feel trapped, they will fight you, and you will not have a good relationship. And I say, the way that you invite her to have sex, it's not an invitation. You want to take her as a hostage. You demand that she has sex. So here's the first rule. And I tell people, there are four rules that you have to follow if you're going to have any chance at a healthy relationship, there can't be any fear in your relationship. None. Zero. Now, you're going to have some from time to time. What I mean is no fear that you don't work out. Guys, if you see fear or apprehension on your wife's faces, you talk to her about her fears until that look is gone. If there is fear, there ain't going to be no sex for you. <laughs> and Greg, I just need to tell you, this show, I I just wish I had more time. I only have about 30 seconds more, so can you tell us those other three? Yep. Um, okay, great. Number two is no anger. So I tell guys, if you express even the slightest impatience or anger or irritation, poof, no sex, it's over. Number three, no um, uh, confusion. So... People agree on having sex, and they say, well, we'll have sex sometime this week. Oh, that's guaranteed, guaranteed confusion. You're doomed. And the fourth one is no past. You never, ever say to a partner, well, we've got to have sex today because we haven't had sex for the last seven days. No, that's bringing up the past. Every request is its own thing. No fear, no anger, no confusion, and no past. If you can accomplish those, oh, you're really going to like the results. Oh, I love it, Greg. I, I just really don't want today to end. I wish we had another hour, but we've got to end. And in closing, I just want to say I wish, Greg, that I had had your book earlier in my marriage. I have made so many mistakes, and had I had your book, I would have reduced a ton of suffering between my husband and I and our children. And I also want you to know that as a marriage counselor and a sex therapist, from now on, your book is going to be required reading <laughs> for all my clients struggling in their marriages and their sexual intimacy. Dr. Bear, thank you so much for being on our show and sharing well, your you're, wisdom. You're, you're just adorable. I appreciate being here. I love you a lot. I love you. Okay. Well, to learn more about Dr. Greg Bear and his book, Real Love in Marriage, and all his other books and CDs and DVDs and programs, visit his website at reallove.com. That's reallove, R-E-A-L-L-O-V-E.com. Next week, we're going to have another fabulous show. We're going to have Sherry Winston, the author of the award-winning book, Women's Anatomy of Arousal, and she'll be with us. Sherry's book is packed 
full of important information that you probably never knew about female sexual anatomy and arousal. If you want to understand female sexuality, you have to listen to next week's show. Be sure also to visit our website at www.sextherapyutah.com where you can listen to any of our radio shows at your convenience. On our website, you can also find out more about me and my husband, Dr. Mark Malin, and the work we do to help couples have a better love life. Again, our website is www.sextherapyutah.com. And don't forget to visit us on Facebook. Till we meet again, have a great weekend, and remember, making love really does make more love in your relationship. And, as Greg told us, real love is essential to great sex. Thank you so much for listening today. Be sure to join your host, Colette Milan, for another edition of Making Love, next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great weekend, and remember these two things. Lovemaking really will make more love in your relationship, and real love is essential to good sex. 